as leadership books. He's written several books that you can buy from Pentecostal Publishing House, but he brought one of those books, um, The Unflawed Leader, and uh, I can't wait to finish reading it. My wife stole it, and she's reading it right now, and so she's telling me about it. But I'm like, well, when you're done, I'll take it back. But it's on the back wall there inside the sanctuary here for purchase today, and you'll be blessed for, for getting that. Um, I want you to know that we are, are so blessed. And right now, there's such a spirit of expectation and hunger here. And sometimes people will be like, oh, well, we don't need to be worshiping men and women of God. But it's not that. Brother Gleason, yes, he is the assistant general superintendent of the organization. And a global organization has voted him in to serve the entire western portion of our country. And that is an honor. And we give him honor for that. But to me, the expectation that we feel in the atmosphere right now is not because of his title. It's because of his anointing. It's because God's spirit rests heavily upon him. He has spiritual authority in this area. And he's going to stand in his pulpit with spiritual authority. And so uh, he, he has a voice in so many lives, not just at a larger church in the Kansas City area, but when he was voted into this position, I've been blessed to be close enough to kind of just see how God has taken him to not just an incredible preacher, incredible conference speaker, incredible pastor, but a voice that has literally changed the entire organization for the better. And so when he comes to this pulpit in just two seconds here, he's going to come not just as assistant general superintendent, pastor of the Life Church, but he's going to come as an incredible man of God who has God's divine favor, anointing, and authority. And he's going to speak something to us that's going to lead us into this next season of Refuge Church. Would you welcome and stand to your feet and welcome the man of God, my pastor, Brother Stan Gleason. Well, let's clap our hands to the Lord Jesus and give him all the praise and all the glory. Hallelujah. Praise God. I learned a long time ago, if it's not about Jesus, it's not about anything. And so we exalt him. And I want to say that I'm so suitably proud of how you've given honor to your pastor and his wife and the leadership team. And I can tell you with great conviction and certainty that God will bless you for it. And the blessing of God is here. And Brother Dornbach and Sister Dornbach call me their pastor. Uh, and I do feel that I am. I do watch for them. I do care for them. Uh, and so now you know why they turned out so good. <laughs> They were good before I ever met them. And uh, I just love to come alongside bright lights that uh, God puts in my path. And Brother and Sister Dornbach are a part of that. And it's an honor to serve them. And Kira and uh, Jude and Titus, we love these children. We thank God for them. And I'm excited about what God is doing here at Refuge. And your future. Wow. Wow. 
Your future is so certain, and it has already been declared, and it's already been ordered of the Lord. And uh, now you just got to keep walking through the doors that God opens for you. This is a journey. It's a faith journey. And you may be seated. Uh, You have to take the spiritual journey before you can take a physical journey as a congregation. And you are on the move. You are the church on the move. And uh, I... Just a few moments ago, I read Deuteronomy chapter 1, I think, verse 5, where the Lord told the children of Israel, they were at Mount Horeb, which means dried up, for 10 months. And while they were at the mountain, they saw lightning flash, they heard thunder roll, they felt earthquakes. They heard the blast of a trumpet from the lips of an angel. They saw a cloud come down on top of the mountain and envelop Moses, and they didn't even know where he was. And it's like a pretty good church right here. Lightning, thunder, earthquakes, fire, clouds. Where'd the pastor go? (laughs) Well, he's in the thick darkness where the Lord is. That's what the Bible says. And the Lord spoke to him, and he said, you've been here long enough. It's time for you to get up and move. And you know, people want to say, well, Lord, we we dedicated our babies here. We got baptized here. We prayed people through. We had miracles here. You know, we buried grandpa and grandma right here, had the funeral service. And I admire you for giving up to go up. In your life, you will always have to give up to go up. And this campus has been amazing. I've been coming here longer than some of you, but not as long as some others of you. 35 years I've been in and out of this building on this campus, and God's done a lot of wonderful things here through the years, but the Lord is saying to Refuge, you've been here long enough. You just wait and see what he's got in store for you. Just wait and see. Amen. So you're taking the spiritual journey, and the physical journey will materialize. But you have to travel inwardly before you can travel outwardly. This is what's happening in this congregation. It's what happened at the Life Church years ago. We had to take a journey inside and committing and trusting and following and obeying and giving up to go up. And the sure hand of the Lord is with you. And um, don't worry about your pastor. I'll keep him straight. (laughs) Believe me, that is a part-time job. Not, not full-time. It's only part-time. <laughs> and I want to tell you that uh, the Missouri District loves Brother and Sister Dornbach. They are celebrated and respected greatly in Missouri District United Pentecostal Church. 
And so we thank God for their leadership and how he leads North American missions and church planning and what a great vision God has given him. So it's a great honor to be invited. And uh, just remain seated. Uh, Lightning won't strike if you're seated while I read the scriptures. Okay? 1 Peter 2, 9, because you've been standing for a long time, so just remain seated. Listen to 1 Peter 2, 9. You, point your finger at somebody, say you. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. We're sitting among royalty. I told pastor this morning at the Life Church, I was in the narthex and I was welcoming people and there was a lot of people there I didn't know, which happens just about every Sunday. And I walked up to this lady and I introduced myself, told her my name, and I told her with, you know, great humility, I'm the bishop of the church. And uh, she said, well, nice to meet you, bishop. I'm, uh, I'm the queen of Northern Ireland. I hope she's not watching. And in two or three minutes, I found out she was a descendant of some of the great pharaohs of Egypt. So we have work to do at the Life Church. (laughs) But we, according to the scripture, are truly among royalty. A chosen generation. A royal priesthood. Wait, there's more. A holy nation. And I'm reading the New King James because I don't like the word peculiar. That, like, that doesn't hit me right ever. His own special people. I like that better. See, what I do is I read all the versions and I find the one that says what I want it to say. And then his own special people. That you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out. Turn to somebody and say, he called us out. Of darkness into. Are we having fun here or what? This is a fully alive church and I thank God for that. Amen. He's called us out of something into something. He didn't just call you out and abandon you and leave you. Well, have a, have a good, have a nice day. No, but he, he called you into something of purpose. And then verse 10, you were once not a people, but now you're the people of God. In other words, we find our identity and who we are under the authority of Jesus Christ and his uh, saving of our souls who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. And then quickly, Ephesians 4.11. And he gave him... And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and teachers. And here's their purpose, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. The purpose of the fivefold ministry, or the spiritual authority of the church, and you saw the fivefold ministry 
celebrated here today as your pastoral team. They are the fivefold ministry that are local, and then pastor invites other members of the fivefold ministry to come alongside him to equip the saints so that the saints can turn around and do the work of the ministry. Am I in the book today? So I love coming here today to preach because I didn't even have to pray and ask God what to preach because pastor told me what to preach. Because he's the pastor. And he knows what, where the church is. And, uh, you know, he said, now, Brother Gleason, you can preach whatever you want to preach. And I said, no, I'm not that spiritual. Tell me what you want me to preach. <laughs> no, I didn't say that. And he said, well, I'd, I'd like for you to, to, to focus on the ministry of the saints. And this is a passion of mine. And the best preaching is where the preacher's living. And this is where I'm living right now. And so I want to, in the next few minutes, I want to bring a message to you. And I'm going to say with all humility that God is going to walk into somebody's life in the next few moments and he's going to give you a revelation not only of who you are in Christ, but what he has empowered you and equipped you to do. And I'm going to say that some of you, maybe not all, but some of you are living beneath your power. You're living beneath your authority. You're living beneath your opportunity to affect change in this community and this region. My message today I would like to entitle The Priesthood of the Believers. Would you say that with me? The Priesthood of the Believers. And what I'm going to preach to you today, what I'm preaching to you today, is right out of the Bible. However, it's going to sound strange to some today, even though maybe you've been in the church 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. I've been in the church my whole life. Some of the things that I'm going to share with you today, I've never heard anybody say, except Jesus <laughs> and the apostles. And, you know, let's not let Jesus get in the way of our theology or anything. <laughs> you know, let's not let the apostles... Uh, you know, prevent us from becoming all that God wants us to be. And so I'm preaching today about the priesthood of the believers and what a privilege it is to be in that priesthood. And I'm going to say that we will never reach our community if all of the ministry is being done by the five couples that were paraded in front of this congregation today. We will never impact our city as long as we come to church twice a week, pay our tithes, get in the band, get on the praise team, sing, worship, and believe that all the power in the church is up there on the platform. That's not how the New Testament church did business. Everybody okay? Now, I know you love your pastor. I know you love your pastoral team. What I'm saying today is not to diminish, to deprive, to deny, to take away any 
authority and power they have. But can I tell you that Jesus, who has all power and all authority, spent three and a half years not accumulating power, not, not hoarding power, not drawing circles around himself and saying, now don't you do what I do. You know, I'm the only miracle worker around here. I'm the only one that can put two thoughts together. Don't even get up and try to preach like I can preach. No, no, no. Jesus spent three and a half years giving his power away. Oh, come on, somebody, right now. Everything Jesus had, he was giving it away. He was giving his blood away. He was giving his time away. He was giving his life away. He was investing. When he prayed his priestly prayer in John 17, he said, Lord, I've done everything you've told me to do, and I've finished the work. What was the work that he finished? It was the work of making disciples. It was the work of investing in the next generation. He knew the clock was ticking, and he only had 42 months, Brother Gavin, to get it done because he wasn't going to be around looking over their shoulders, but he had to invest. He had to trust. He had to share. And I thank God here at Refuge, you have a pastor who's not bottlenecking all of the ministry and trying to, you know, manage and control. But you've got a leadership team here that's wanting to invest. They're giving away. They're giving their authority away. They're giving their power away. I feel the Holy Ghost here today. The last thing we need in the church is one more insecure leader. If insecurity is on your resume, please turn in your badge. Because we don't need you. We need people with the heart of Jesus. Who said in John 14, 12, the things that I'm doing, I'm the only one that can do them. Where do you want me to sign my autograph? The things that I'm doing, you are going to do them. And then he said an astounding thing. He said, and you're even going to do them better and greater than I ever did them. You've got to understand that. Any pastor who's a man of God does not feel like he's in control of everything and has to micromanage everything and he doesn't want anybody's light to shine brighter than his light. Woo! I ought to be preaching this at General Conference. <laughs> I had a, my first youth pastor, Scott Smith, when we came to Kansas City, married the lovely Jody and, uh, but he came single to the Life Church. I want the record to show that. And uh, he was a full-time evangelist when he came to me. Ginger, you were there. And he was an outstanding young man. And, and I admired him so much. And I got such a high recommendation from the other assistant general superintendent now, Brother Daryl Johns. I told him what I was looking for. And he said, Scott Smith. I went after him. He's a full-time evangelist. He was having miracles. Brother Sister Foster, you know them so well. And so after about the second Sunday, he came to me and he said, Brother Gleason, can I pray for the sick? I'm like, duh. <laughs> I'm thinking, 
you know, I wanted to give him a duh. I really did. Because I'm sort of sarcastic, you know, once in a while. <laughs> Don't tell my wife, I said. And, and, but the Holy Ghost convicted me and said, uh-oh, read between the lines. Here's why he's asking. This happened in a split second. Here's why he's asking you that. Because he was on staff somewhere else where he was having miracles and somebody tried to shut him down because his star was shining too bright. How are we going to reach the world if we're worried about jockeying for position? If we're worried about the score? Who's got more miracles? Who's, who's baptized more people? Who's taught more Bible studies? Listen, the last thing we need at Refuge Church is somebody worried about somebody else's star is shining too bright. We need your star to shine. We need your star to shine. We need you to get up and start being the saint of God and the priesthood that God has called you to be. And I looked at that young man and I, I had discernment. The Lord helped me. I said, let me tell you something, Scott Smith. If you pray for 50 people and they come out of wheelchairs and they come out of hospital beds and they come out of hospital room pulling hoses out of their noses and out of all parts of their body and you raise them up out of the graveyard and I pray for 50 people and they all end up in the hospital and they all end up in the cemetery. I said, I'm not going to shut you down because we need your miracles. We need you to lay hands on the sick. We need you to go be whatever God has called you to be. That's what we need. We'll never reach the world unless we believe in the saints. Come on, everybody say the saints. And I don't mean New Orleans. They're the ain'ts as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> the saints. Wow. Did you know that the Bible twice says Saints are called. Called. We know apostles are called. We know prophets are called. We know evangelists, pastors, and teachers are called. But they're not the only called people in the church. The platform, not the only place where people are called. Saints are just as called. Called to be saints. I looked at it this morning. Saints or saint is 57 times in the New Testament that barely beats apostle. Apostle 79. Saints are 57 times. By virtue of prolific mention, saints are important. Don't ever let the devil tell you that you're called to sit in row four where Brother Jim is sitting Seat A and B. And that's what you're called to do. And you sit there and don't move until I tell you to jump. And when you get up in the air, I'll tell you how high. That's not, that's not a saint. A saint is not a pew sitter. A saint is not a pew warmer. We're never going to reach the world if your idea of Christianity is so traditional that all you're supposed to do is come to church twice a week, pay your tithes, be on the praise team, fold bulletins, drive the church van, clean the toilets, and we need all of that, and we thank God for it. Pastor's done all that. I've done all that. Uh, we'll both do it again if we need to. We thank God for those hands-on ministries that we have, but you're called to something higher. 
Come on, you're called to something greater. You're called to something more. Don't leave that alone. We need you to do that. But, and don't be so holy that you won't stoop to do that. But we need you to go and teach Bible studies. We need you to act like a priest. We need you to be a go. That's what a priest is. A priest is, is, is a bridge between God and somebody that needs God. That's what we're called to be. You know, they fly me all over the country and the world to preach and to teach and be at conferences and things. But I'm going to tell you, my greatest sermons have never been preached behind a pulpit or at a conference or a camp meeting. I always feel, Brother Kevin, I'm at my best when I'm sitting at a kitchen table and my Bible's open and my Bible study chart like I was twice on Thursday of this week. And I'm teaching Bible studies. And my disciple was there again this morning. And he said, I wasn't going to leave until you laid hands on, on me and prayed for me today. He doesn't know beans. He just got baptized. He hadn't even been filled with the Holy Ghost yet. Amen. But that's, that's what we're called to do. Come on, that's what we're called to do. I know you have a ministry. I know you have a ministry. But I've come to ask you today, are you on the mission? That's a different question. I know you're in the ministry. I know, I know you have a ministry. I know you're involved. If you're not, you should be. It doesn't matter if you've been here a day, a week, a month, a year, or a decade, or your whole life. You should find a place to serve. Is this on? Can I have a better <laughs> Find somewhere to serve. Come on, find somewhere to serve. Somewhere small, somewhere simple. And add value. Add value. Find a place to add value. Don't make somebody have to come and tell you everything to do. You people wear me out. <laughs> in fact, every once in a while, I just go park my car at MCI and watch the planes take off. Because I like to see something move that I'm not pushing it. <laughs> no, I don't do that. But I do like to watch them take off. <laughs> Such power. Listen. Huh? Is anybody hearing me today? Add value. Bring your gift. Add value. Don't wait for everybody to tell you to do something. Now, we don't want you to jump up and think you're going to be preaching every Sunday. But find a place to make a difference. The Kevin said that over and over and over. They made a difference in one. And so we're called to be saints. Wow. A royal priesthood. We will never reach this community until every one of you here today embraces your calling as a saint. You know, a saint means holy. It means sanctified. Hey, well, pastor, I'm a long way from holy. Well, so am I. There's only one holy. There's only one righteous. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. So you're in good company if you don't feel qualified. Join the unqualified team because there's only one holy. But Paul said, I can do all things through Christ. 
who strengthens me. Now, I don't know if you know it or not, but I'm a pretty deep preacher. I'm deep. I'm real deep. And uh, I brought one of my deep theological illustrations here today. I brought a red, delicious apple. I want to show it to you. There it is. So everybody get a deep theological look in your eye. And, boy, I'm going to leave some of you in, in, the, in my dust right now. But uh, so what are the parts of an apple? What's the little thing sticking out at the top? Stand, oh, wow, y'all are deep. And then what's the red thing around it? Skin. Oh, wow. And uh, when you bite into the skin, what's right inside the skin? The meat. Meat. What? That doesn't sound good. It's the meat. And then what's inside the middle of the apple? Core. But wait, there's more than the core. Seeds. Everybody say seed. There's seed. Oh, but how many seeds? Five to eight. Some of you nailed it. Five to eight seeds. Now, most pastors think about their church like an apple. But this is not how the New Testament thought about their church. But it's how 21st century traditional Christianity thinks about the church. Okay? So it's the apples, the Sunday morning church. And pastor, probably before he goes to lunch today, he's going to know how many seeds were in the apple. Today we had 150 or whatever, whatever it is. Okay? So that would be exciting. And I know I resigned as pastor in February, but every Sunday when, you know, I, I wanted to know how many seeds were in the apple today. And if we had more than last week, then I was happy. And if we had less, I wasn't so happy. And if, I, if we had more, we're going for steak. If we had less, we're going to the soup kitchen. Just kidding. And so... That's how we think about, but let me ask you a question. Uh, if I planted one seed, what would I get? An apple tree. And do you know how many apples a healthy, mature apple tree produces in one growing season? Three to 500 times another five to eight seeds per apple. This is the power of multiplication. So maybe we're asking the wrong question. Instead of asking how many seeds are in the apple, please hear this now. Maybe we should be asking how many apples are in the seeds. Because each one of us has the power to multiply. So I know you're... I know you're involved in ministry, but are you on the mission? Are you on the mission? Do you have any friends that are sinners? Or do you just hang out with religious people? Do you have any friends that need Jesus? Or are you just rotating religious crops? Huh? You see, the power of multiplication was in the first century church. I want you to put Acts 6-7 up there. Acts 6-7 says, The word of God increased, 
The number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. Now, that's not a random scripture. Let me tell you what happened that released this dynamic. The first six verses of Acts chapter 6 were a watershed moment for the early church. The apostles had to make a decision. Are we going to do all the ministry or are we going to share the ministry? Are we going to do all the preaching or are we going to empower everybody in the church to preach? Come on, I'm looking at a church full of preachers. You may not have a license in your pocket stamped by the United Pentecostal Church, but the Bible says in Acts chapter 8 verse 4, and they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. And I want you to know that the apostles stayed in Jerusalem. So it's not talking about the apostles. It's talking about the saints. The saints were going everywhere preaching the word. Listen, you don't have to have one of these to preach. Everybody in the count of three, tell me what this is. One, two, three. A pulpit. Is a pulpit apostolic? Do you have to have a pulpit for people to get saved? But you think that all the preaching has to happen up there. And can I tell you that if that's the only place in liberty in this region where there's preaching going on, we will never reach the world. But you are a royal priesthood. You are a chosen generation. You are a holy nation. You've been called by God out of darkness. You've got a story. You've got a witness. You have a testimony. It's time to go preach. That's not apostolic. That wasn't even invented until a thousand years ago. A thousand years after Pentecost. And if you'd have walked up to the first century believer and asked them where they went to church, they'd have got like deer in the headlights. What? Oh, you know, when people don't understand what you say, you slow down and you speak louder. <laughs> where do you go to Church. He still doesn't get it. Because the first dedicated Christian worship center wasn't even built till 200 years after Pentecost. They didn't even have a place to go worship. They went in many various homes and gathered in the temple unless they got kicked out. Huh? Am I in the book? Yeah. They... They didn't have what I guess I would call churchology. You know, where everything spiritual has to happen on this holy campus. What's the address of this church? 1315 Nashua Road. On the count of three, everybody tell me the address of your church. One, two, three. 1315 Nashua Road. Yeah, and, and if we think everything holy, godly, spiritual, has to happen at this address. We are never going to reach our community because we're all the seeds in the apple. We're all just coming to the big apple. And I don't mean New York City. Yeah, that's not how the early church did business. They didn't have a building to go to. How would you kids like that? Where would we hang out at the youth group? Well, we're going to go down the street corner, Brother Chad and we're just going to teach Bible studies and 
see if some friends will show up, and we're taking the church outside the building. They didn't have churchology like we got it. Do you have that diagram with all the arrows pointing in at a sort of a stick looking? Yeah. That, that's, that's the 21st century model of the church right there. Go to church, come to church. You know, I can't tell you the last time I invited somebody to church. I don't invite people to church. That's not the direction of the Great Commission. I've taught Bible studies for up to 10 months and never told them where our church was. I never invited them to church one time. But this particular Bible study, after 10 months, once a week for two or three hours a week, just investing, sharing my life, they don't even know how awesome I am. They don't know I preach camp meetings and I just preach to the General Conference of the United Kingdom and, and Wales. He has no idea how amazing I am. You guys know me well enough to know it's just having fun. I was teaching Bible studies 10 months. Finally goes, Pastor, where's your church? I told him, he goes, oh, I know right what that is. He said, me and my two kids were coming Sunday to be baptized. I didn't invite him. I did what Jesus told me to do. He said, you go. He didn't say, y'all come to church. He said, the church go to y'all. Huh? I'm not saying don't invite people to church. But go be the church. Show my other diagram. This is really what should be going on. See, 95, I guarantee you, 95% of all ministry that happens in 21st century churches, it doesn't matter the denomination, happens on a campus. And that's why we haven't reached the world. And that's why the average size church in America is 75. Because we're driving everything to a campus. We're doing everything in a campus. But it's not the way they did church in the first century. And it's no wonder they were said of them that they had turned the world upside down. It's no wonder that they had brought threats uh, against the church and tried to stop them for who they were and what they were doing. It's not because they were singing to each other behind four walls. It's because they were on the streets. They were laying hands on the sick and they were recovering they were preaching on street corners they were pulling people out of wheelchairs if they had them hallelujah this is the we've got to get back to being the church everybody okay everybody still love me yeah I'm not sometimes I get excited I'm not angry I don't preach angry my face gets red once in a while. That's just because of the blood pressure. <laughs> yeah. The first century church, when the apostles said, it's not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. And then the Bible says, and the same pleased the whole multitude. That's the only time that's ever happened in the history of the church. 100% vote. And they chose both Stephen, Philip, Procris, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. Seven men, saints. They chose seven men. They were full of the Holy Ghost. They were full of wisdom. Anytime you read full of in the text, it means controlled by. That's refreshing, isn't it? Controlled by their faith. Controlled by the Holy Spirit. And they chose these seven men. There's seven men here that are just as qualified as Stephen, Philip, Procris, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, Nicholas. You're 
every bit as qualified to do what they did. But the Bible says that the apostles laid hands on them. Think about that. They ordained them. They had a commissioning service for table waiters. But there's a reason. The apostles were sharing their authority. Just like Jesus commissioned. They were sharing their authority. They were praying and anointing. And these men were coming under spiritual authority. Now do you think that seven men who had the apostles laid hands on them are going to be serving tables of crabby old widows? That's what the Bible says. Well, it doesn't we use crabby, but they were. They're complaining. You think they're going to be doing that for the rest of their life? Oh, no. When a man of God, like your pastor, commissions you, lays hands on you, believes in you, you're destined for more than just cleaning toilets. If that's what he needs you to do, then start there. Pushing a vacuum cleaner, dusting the drums, and, and setting up the projectors. And, and if that's what we need you to do, then you do it. But if you're under authority, that's not where your ministry is going to stop. That's not going to be the end all. God's got more for you. God's got plans for you. I'm saying that the seven are in Refuge Church right now. The seven saints. Hallelujah. The seven saints. You're destined for more. It's time for you to teach your Bible studies. It's time for you to have your miracles. It's time for you to baptize your disciples. You're called for more than this. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. The power of multiplication is in the attitude of decentralization. See, the, the historic church took this away from us. I don't know if you know it, but the church in Houston, pastored by Joel Osteen, had the greatest robbery ever in the history of a church. One Sunday, someone stole the offering. It was a mere $600,000. That was about 10 years ago. But that's not the greatest robbery that ever happened in the church. The greatest robbery was when church leadership took all the ministry from the saints. Here, you're not holy enough. You're just laity. Laity means ignorant, stupid. That's what it means. I, I'm 65 now, six, 66 now, Brother Neil, and I'm going to say something. I'm old enough. I've earned the right. I don't talk down to saints. I have a very high view. Our church is on view high, but I have a very high view. I have a very high view of the saints. Ever since I was a little boy, I love the saints. They were my heroes. I respect them. Some of the saints that I grew up around are just like some of you. I can see it in you. I know who you are. I don't even know your name. I know who you are. I've seen people like you my whole life that I respect and I honor and I revere and I trust. And my parents are to be celebrated for, for putting my heroes, Sister Carol, in the church. My heroes were in the church. That's how I grew up. And I still feel that way. I love the saints. I believe in the saints. You almost have to kill me for me to stop believing in you. I will believe in you to my own hurt. 
Everybody all right? So I love the saints. I believe in the saints. I have a very high view of the saints. And I'm saying today, some of you need to up your game because you're living below what God has called you to do. You say, well, I'm not a called preacher. Well, it's time for you to start preaching. Well, I'm not in the fivefold ministry. I'm not a teacher. Let me tell you something. There are called fivefold ministry teachers, but we're all called to go teach. Jesus said in Matthew 28, 19, go therefore and teach. That means make disciples. That means share your life with sinners. That's, that means don't just have all your friends in the church. How are we going to reach the world if all of our friends are just in here? Come on. Amen. I wish I could get somebody to agree with me right now. We need to make, we need to turn some sinners into friends. That's what Jesus did. Jesus is called the friend of sinners. Do you have any sinners that are friends? Oh, there's nothing like it. And the spirit of multiplication is in the Holy Ghost that you've been filled with. Now, I want to bring this message to a close. But I want to tell you that the Holy Spirit is a missional spirit. It's a missionary spirit. It wants to go on an adventure. Did you ever hear the story about the $20 bill and the $1 bill were being decommissioned? And they're bouncing down the conveyor belt and they're all worn out, you know. And the $1 bill looks over at the $20 bill and goes, it's a 20. Wow. Where have you been? Your life. $20 bill said, oh, I've been to the Grand Canyon three times. I've been to the Eiffel Tower, the Louvre. I've been to Petra four times. I've been to Disney World 26 times. I've been all over the world. $20 bill looked at the $1 bill and said, where have you been? He said, oh, I just go to church. (laughs) And I'm not receiving the offering. I want to ask you a question. Do you have a $20 bill or a $1 bill of the Holy Ghost? All your Holy Ghost gets to do is go to church? What's that about? Well, so I can shout and speak in tongues and lay hands on people. Well, that's great, but do you ever try doing that out out there? Your, Your Holy Ghost wants to go on an adventure. That's what it's built for. It's not your goosebump machine. It's not your spiritual Disney world. The Holy Ghost in you has the power to teach and has the power to lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. That's not for the fivefold ministry only. That's for the saints. Jesus said in Mark 16, these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. He's not just talking about the preachers on the platform. He's talking about the power that's in the pew. And I'm telling you that there is power in these pews here today. I know we've got chairs, but God has called you to go lay hands hands on the sick. What would happen if you would come in here walking with your miracle? Last week I met her. She was in a wheelchair. Look, she's walking. She'd come to be baptized today. It's time for you to have a miracle to set your neighborhood on fire. I believe in the saints. So my daughter Michaela, you may be seated. My daughter Michaela, she lives in Wentzville now. She's She's leading Apostolic Youth Corps, but she was a public school teacher. In fact, I, one of her former students was in church today. 
this is awesome. And uh, so she had a third grade class in Grandview. And uh, one of her students was a nine-year-old boy. I don't remember his name, but he was full of the devil. And he was so disruptive. In fact, on Michaela's birthday, she wanted to meet at Maggiano's over in Overland Park. And so my wife and I and Caleb, we went over there, and we were there on time, and she was about 20 minutes late. And then she went into the restroom for about 10 minutes, and she, we saw she was crying when she walked in. And my wife went to see about her, and she was just sobbing. She says, Mom, there's no parenting going on in the world today. She said, I have to spend 90% of my time parenting and 10% teaching. Parents are worthless, is what she said. Because her kids are just so undisciplined and in no order. And it was so frustrating for her because she's got all this stuff. She, you know, she's got the heart of a teacher. I want to I I them to change the world. I want to show them how to do this. And I want to train them to do that. And, and she's got to you know, put that down. No, stop fighting. And this kid was full of the devil. He would lead the class on an absolute rampage. So she thought, i got to do something with his mother. And so she takes the mother out for coffee. The mother's 23. Her son's nine. She's not living with the boy's dad. Just do the math. The mother doesn't have a clue. She's never been to our church. And Michaela says, well, can I teach you a Bible study? So the lady says, well, sure. Well, I'd like to come to your home. Can I come to your home? So instead of her saying, come to church, the church goes to her. You say, well, what happens in church? A prayer meeting. You are a prayer meeting. What happens in church? Awesome worship led by our pastor's wife. You are a worship service. What happens in church? A message. You are a message. You are a sermon. Paul said we're living epistles read of all men. What happens in church? Conviction. If you have conviction, then you have conviction. And you can bring it. I went to a guy's house. He was a Hindu, had a red dot in his forehead, and I'm ready. I took him to lunch. I met him, took him to lunch, and when I'm ready to leave, he's weeping. He's sobbing. He's a Hindu. I said, what's wrong with you? He said, Pastor, if you pray that God will bless my business, I will pay off your whole church. <laughs> All of a sudden, I started crying. <laughs> I thought, man, I got people there that they're saved, sanctified. They haven't given a lousy dollar to the building program. Here's a Hindu that's wanting to pay off the whole church. (laughs) And today's, what was happening there? I was bringing the church to his house. I brought the church. You bring it. Come on, give yourself a little more credit. Come on, clap your hands if you're the church. You don't just go to church. You are the church. We're waiting for your miracle. We're waiting for your story. And so, Michaela's teaching this lady a Bible study. I wasn't there. I didn't approve it. I didn't sanction it. You know, I wasn't there watching. Let's see if Michaela has the right doctrine. Let's see if she's, you know, I'm not going to look over her shoulder and make sure she's doing everything right. And if she doesn't do anything right, I'm going to zap her. I don't know about you, but I'm having a blast up here. 
No, I trained that girl. She knows the Bible better than I do. And I got a master's degree. And she's teaching her a Bible study. Now, this lady had never been to church. She had never seen anybody speak with tongues. She'd never heard it. She never felt it. After about the third lesson. Do you have the picture of the, did I send it to you? That lady right there. That's her. She, her lips started quivering. She, she started crying. Michaela said, lift up your hands. God is going to fill you with the Holy Ghost right now. And she's being filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Not at church, in her house. Come on, Michaela. Michaela's nothing special. God wants to do that for you. That's the only way we're going to reach the world. Okay, wait, there's more. I didn't baptize her. I didn't need to baptize her. Can I tell you, if we're going to have the revival that God wants to give refuge, he doesn't have the time to baptize anybody. If he's going to baptize everybody, he's going to get baptismal elbow. We need you to learn how to baptize somebody. Amen. We might need you to baptize them in a hot tub like we have. You might need to baptize them in a rehab pool at a recovery center somewhere. You might need to baptize them in a swimming pool. Amen. The Bible said they went and they did the work of the ministry. Show the next picture. Michaela baptized her in the name of Jesus Christ and Jesus washed her sins away. I didn't do it. I didn't have anything to do with it. Would you, would you stand with me? I just, I, I want to inspire some man here today. Some of you will know this man. M many of you do. Do you have the picture of the guy at the waterfalls? This guy's name is George. This media team's awesome. They're on it. This guy's name is George. Everybody say, hi, George. Hi, George. He went to see Jesus about two and a half years ago. COVID took him from us. But not before. Do you have a, a picture of the uh, immigrant, Nigerian, or South Sudanese man? Okay. Not before he met Kwat. They're both veterans. Kwat's from South Sudan. George is from Blue Springs. And could I have... Thank you for coming. And so they met at the VA downtown, both veterans of American military. Quad's from South Sudan, but he got a citizenship and served in our army. Now he has a ministry in South Sudan. And uh, it was from another denomination, his ordained minister. So George Clemens makes a friend. George hears one day that Quad's bathroom at his house is in bad repair. So George, he's, he's, he's not a preacher. He doesn't have a license. He's, he's not an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. He's just a good guy. Good blue collar. Good man. In the church. With a heart for people. So one day he says to Quat, says, can I come over and take a look at your bathroom? Well, he said, oh, that doesn't sound very spiritual. Well, if it's not spiritual enough for me, for you, excuse me, but it's where ministry starts, where the, the need is. She says, sure, he comes over, he's got a tape measure, he measures it, takes pictures, comes back in a couple weeks, 
He's got all the materials loaded in his truck. Tears everything out, floor, everything. Puts it all back in brand new. It's gorgeous. Quad says, oh, that's beautiful work. What do I owe you? He says, the debt of love. And George gave him a hug. Quad said, hmm, what kind of Christian are you? I had to come and see your church. He comes to church. He loved it. We met him. George and Quat and I, we went to lunch. Me, George, and Quat. We went to lunch. Had a great time. Had several lunches. One afternoon, Saturday afternoon, Quat and I are at the church. He wanted to come over and talk to me, so we're just talking. I said, Quat, I want to ask you a question. I said, do you cast out devils in South Sudan? <laughs> he looked at me like I was crazy. He said, of course we cast out devils. Everyone in South Sudan has a devil. <laughs> I said, well, how do you do it? He said, I said, devil, come out in the name of Jesus. I said, does the devil come out? He said, every time. I said, so you don't say in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, devil, come out. He said, no. I said, why don't you say that? He said, there's no authority in Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. I said, so the authority is in the name of Jesus. Yes. I say, in the name of Jesus. The authority is in the name of Jesus. I said, what? Then why do you not baptize in the only name where there's authority? If it can cast out devils, it can wash away sins. When I said that, he said, oh, pastor, you're right. Then he started preaching to me. He said, Peter said on the day of Pentecost, repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sin, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. He said, I'm coming tomorrow with my wife. We must be baptized in Jesus' name. I did not do that. I did not plant the seeds in that ordained Man of God. He was already full of the Holy Ghost. He just needed a revelation of the mighty God in Christ Jesus. George. Put George back up there. George did that. Mr. Blue Collar Motorcycle Rider Drywaller Guy at the Life Church. Quat went back to South Sudan rebaptized 40 of his licensed ministers and they rebaptized 20 congregations over 5,000 people. George the Saint did that. George the Saint did that. I would have never met Quat. I'd have never met him had it not been for George the Saint. So I'm calling refuge. I'm calling you to your ministry today. You are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. Listen, pastor believes in you. You don't need permission to go do everything. Jesus already told you to go lay hands on the sick. He told you to teach his word. Just go do it. You've already been empowered. You've already been equipped. 
You've already been called. You've already been anointed. We want to know what's going on. We want you to share your stories. We want you to come and tell somebody. And so we can celebrate and rejoice. We don't need any loose cannons out there just going and doing their own thing. We want you to be a part of the body. But let's go be the body of Christ. If anybody has received the word today, I want to invite you forward. We're taking a commitment right now to go be the saints. We're receiving a commitment right now to go be the saints. Come on. Come on, come and stand. There's folks coming right behind you. Come on, let's go. Let's go be the church. Let's go do the work of the ministry. Come on, students. Come on, let's get started. Let's stop goofing around. Let's stop wasting our lives and wasting our time. Oh, yes. What a beautiful sight. It's a beautiful sight. Keep coming. There's folks coming behind you. Fill it up. Fill it up. Keep coming. The whole church is here. Come on. We're going somewhere.